Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, airing it out. Files from Leahy's broadcast booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today and every week. I want to thank my guest from last week, uh, good friend Barry Porter. We talked some spring training baseball uh, down in Florida from a fan's perspective, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And we're getting back to hockey this week. And of course, if you've been following the podcast, you will remember that uh, I have a habit lately of talking to the visiting broadcasters of the teams Merrimack plays on a weekly basis. The Warriors have been off for a bit. The last game they played was down at the Excel Center in Hartford, a 3-2 to two loss to the Yukon Huskies. But it's back to work this weekend. Two different opponents for Merrimack. They'll play on Friday night against the UNH Wildcats at Lotto Rink. And then Saturday night, it'll be the Maine Black Bears coming to town. And uh, you'll hear from John Shields, Maine's radio broadcaster, tomorrow. Uh, yes, tomorrow when we publish. And uh, today on the podcast, we're going to talk to a great friend. He's a guy who's been uh, associated with UNH hockey for a long, long time. He's the color commentator on Wildcat Hockey Broadcast with good friend Mike Murphy. His name is Pete Webster. And Pete, it's great to have you here. Always great talking with you and uh, looking forward to Friday night. Oh, yeah, John. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are looking forward to this game Friday night uh, down at your barn. It's going to be fun, and hopefully it's going to be rocking. Your students will be there. It's a tough place to play, but uh, we're looking forward to getting back into college hockey as well. And I say we, my partner, Mike Murphy, and I, uh, we were off last weekend, uh, and uh, so it's going to be really exciting to get back uh, back in the booth and call another great game between these two two schools. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Merrimack's been off, too, so uh, you're going to see a lot of energy, I think, in the uh, early stages of this hockey game on Friday night. But, uh, Pete, I'd like to get your take on this UNH hockey club. And I know the Wildcats have been on a real roll lately. Uh, they had won five in a row prior to that 3-2 uh, to two loss down at Yukon. Uh, and uh, the defense has been terrific. You, The Wildcats have given up just 10 goals in the last six games. What have you seen from this UNH team over that streak that's been working so well? That's uh, a great question, John, because uh, uh, I think really the key, the, the center of it is uh, the senior leaders coming back. Will McKinnon, he wears the captaincy. Uh, he was out for a little bit. Ryan Varrier was out for a little bit, and they're both back, really leading a talented group of defensemen. And Mike Robinson, the goaltender, has really been on his game. And as Mike Sousa likes to put it, that's head coach Mike Sousa likes to put it, uh, a, a, uh, a, a really good Mike Robinson is really good. Absolutely. And uh, he's been on his game. And, uh, you know, he's a big guy like most of the goalies uh, nowadays. But I think, too, to add into the mix of the success is how Mike plays with the defenseman. Uh, he communicates very well. They, they seem to be more in sync uh, with each other. Um, and I think that's great leadership from McKinnon and Verrier and uh, – you know, being a being a senior as well, Mike Robinson doing a great job, and also the fact he's been pushed by a by a transfer student from Alabama Huntsville, David Fessenden. He's a talented uh, goaltender as well. He's really been pushing Mike Robinson this year. So I think I think those are the keys to uh, defensively uh, this team uh, playing really solidly in the last couple months. Well, Pete, I'd like to take a look at this UNH team uh, sort of position by position and kind of get your thoughts on what we've seen. Uh, I know if you take a look at the forward group, uh, the offense has been pretty spread out, hasn't it? Uh, Jackson Pearson, he's a terrific hockey player. Uh, he's got 11 goals and 18 points. Uh, 
Philip Engaras, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I never, uh, I never know the correct way to say his last name. I always <laughs> check with you guys uh, during game night, but. Uh, yeah, 13 points for him. You got uh, Tyler Ward, the transfer from Denver. He's been playing well, and Liam Devlin, the freshman too. So, talk a little bit about uh, talk a little bit about uh, how this uh, offense has looked. Well, you you mentioned Jackson Pearson right off the start, and uh, you know I think the team and a lot of people thought that Jackson was really going to put up some huge numbers. And you know, offensively, the team has struggled, uh, especially in the first half of the year. You look at this, the, their results, and you see a lot of ones. Uh, for UNH, and I really think, um, you know, coming back uh, from uh, the Ledger Classic where we put up uh, seven against Mercyhurst, the, the offense really started clicking. I, it was it was fairly good, you know, in the first half of the year, but the shots weren't going in. Not a lot of puck luck, hitting the, you know, making good opportunities, but the puck hitting the goalie on the shoulder, you know, hitting the, hitting the edge of the pad. There's a lot of that stuff going on. And uh, lately, though, when the Wildcats got on this run since that Mercyhurst game, uh, they've really been able to find the back of the net and, and gain that confidence. And that's being led by Jackson Pearson, the senior out of Indiana. Uh, who, would, who would think you'd have a, a leader like that from Indiana? But they play some good hockey out there, you know. And, uh, um, you know, he's, uh, he's got those, uh, those, those 10 goals, 11 goals. Uh, and uh, I think that's him playing positively every game. He never gives up on any shift, no matter how tough things are going. Um, he, he's a credit to uh, to this team, and you think he's always lining up against the best center from the other team. Like, we just played UConn. We have them Saturday night at our place. Uh, Jakim Kondalik, you know, he's 6'5", 225. You're facing off against him all through the game. And, uh, Jackson's not that big. He's 5'9", 170. Uh, but uh, he plays those big guys very tough. So, you know, when you jump up there in the first line, you might not get as many points as maybe if you were hidden on the second line or third line. But Jackson Pearson has really led the charge. And on his right has been Eric McAdams. And uh, I, I equate him to, like, Brad Marchand from the, from the Bruins, uh, you know, on the college level. But Eric always has his nose in a scrape somewhere. And uh, the young man never stops playing, never stops hustling. He's tough as nails. He'll get in there and protect his teammates, and he'll create opportunities off that toughness. Uh, and, uh, John, you mentioned uh, Liam Devlin. What a very talented freshman forward he is out of Needham, Mass. Uh, he's, he's made some unbelievable plays, and he's put up some, uh, some significant numbers as a freshman on a team that struggled to score in the first half. I think we're going to see some big things out of Liam Devlin in the coming years. But uh, th those are mainly the guys. Philip Ngaris, uh, uh, you know, out of Sweden, um, he's slowly starting to pick up the scoring. And he picked up that tying goal against UConn late in the game uh, in, uh, in our last game. Uh, UConn did win that in overtime, but it was a key goal that gave us a point. You know, you, you get a you get a point when you take a team to overtime. So, and that that game could have easily gone either way in overtime, playing three on three. So, uh, and Garis is uh, you know he's a guy that's in the right place at the right time so much during the game. You know, I'm always intrigued too by these Denver guys that wind up coming here and uh, transfer the transfer portal. Merrimack has two of them, and Jake Durflinger and uh, Stephen Jandrick. But uh, I'm curious to hear how a guy like Tyler Ward uh, fits in, and he brings that uh, winning pedigree from Denver. Uh, how does he fit into this Wildcat scheme of things offensively? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think John, it was uh, kind of a challenge for him at the start last year, going through all the COVID and transferring new school. You know, probably being online with their classes so much. Uh, I think he's a lot more comfortable with the team and playing with Philip and Garis and mostly with Eric Esposito on the right side. But he brings another level of go to the team. He's always going. Like McAdams, he gets his nose into places. Uh, he creates things. Um, he, he is uh, one of the fastest skaters on the team. I really like his tenacity and uh, it, it just just the way he uh, uh, is all over the place, picks up a lot of good loose pucks out at center ice, turns them into scoring situations. Um, it's just a, he brings a lot of intangibles to this team. Sure, like everybody on the team, we'd, everybody would love to have more and more points out of these guys. But uh, the style he plays, I think, really fits in, especially with a player like Angaris. Um, and uh, he's, he's very good, very crafty over there uh, on the left wing side. I just love the way he plays. Well, Pete, let's take a look at this defense core for uh, Coach Souza. And uh, the first guy that jumps out at the at the page is uh, Colton Heward. He's got five goals and 14 points, named Hockey East Rookie of the Week uh, for the week of January 17th. How important has he been to UNH's uh, success on D? Yeah, that's uh, that's great seeing a young man like that. You know, he didn't play in the beginning part of the season. He picked up a, a lower body injury, I think, during a captain's practice. So we didn't see him for the first handful of games. But uh, Colton, he is since he got into the lineup, he's just uh, gained more and more confidence every game out there. And now I think the last three or four weeks, he's starting to be more creative offensively. Uh, he had uh, one goal that he scored against uh, Boston College, where uh, the uh, the winger, you know, went for the went for Colton, and he just slid on by into the boards and. Uh, then Colton veered over to the center high slot, did a toe drag around the second guy, and then <laughs> wristed a shot, and it got all the way to the net and in the net. And it was a fabulous goal, great one to see on replay. But just the way he had that that wherewithal to know that the first guy's going to slide right on by, and he can toe drag the second guy. Now, this is a freshman uh, defenseman out there who really the first part, the first many games he played he was more defensive oriented but now he's finding the offensive side he's finding that he's got a little bit more time with the puck than uh, than you might actually realize if uh, if you just know that you, there's going to be a point you have to get rid of it for you know out there at the blue line but uh, I really like the way he has progressed and he is piling up the numbers and those two uh, hockey east awards I think those were very well deserved the Rookie of the Week and the Defensive Player of the yep, Week. Yep. Um, even though a lot of times you're just looking at the offensive numbers uh, when you look at a, a defenseman for those awards, I think defensively, too, he, he recovers very well. Um, he's getting in the way of players and, and guys, especially wingers with speed. They don't, they don't generally beat him one-on-one, so they're not going right around him in on net. You know, He's a, he's a tough defender as well. And the other guy, Pete, that uh... – kind of jumps off, uh, out of the page at me is Kali Erickson, who's got uh, seven uh, points on the air, seven assists. He's always seemed to me to be a very consistent, solid defender. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he is. He's, he is another one of those crafty guys with a puck. You, you know, he, he can make so many good plays. Uh, he is an assist type of guy. Um, and uh, the, the creativity comes into play there. Unfortunately for him, he's he has um, – 
uh, picked up a lot of the minuses in the plus-minus column. He's been out there kind of at the wrong time, but uh, uh, I think the coaching staff still has a lot of uh, confidence in Calais. Uh, you know, he's out there at critical times and might show up there on the power play and the penalty kill. Uh, but he's another one of those guys that uh, we have from Sweden. We have two Swedes. Um, you just know, though, you're going to get a good, solid, honest shift every time Callie's on the ice. And, uh, Pete, I know you touched on this earlier, but we have to talk about the goaltending. Uh, it's it's so great for a team's confidence to have a goaltender back there who has experience and can win games for you. Mike Robinson certainly has seemed to be that kind of guy who's uh, taken that number one job and run with it. Uh, he's 10-7 and seven on the air, a 2.12 goals against a, a draft pick of the San Jose Sharks. And uh, Mike Souza has to be happy with the body of work he's put in. What What makes him so special? Mike, uh, Mike actually plays his line to the puck very efficiently. You don't see him flopping around a lot uh, trying to recover. It's, he's square to the puck, and he also has, he has a very quick glove hand. And uh, yeah, I, I also think he sees the puck into his pads on the low shots as well. Um, and, and I think an area maybe Mike has improved in, and I think he's, he's staying up out of the butterfly a little bit longer and not going down prematurely to expose the upper corners. Uh, he just looks like a young man who is so confident in net for UNH. And again, like it's so important to work well with your def- defenseman out in front of you. Uh, and I think that is working really well. You know, we have a couple of freshman defensemen out there and a couple of sophomores as well. I think all the guys out right in front of him uh, are doing a great job, allowing him to see the bucket at critical times and, uh, you know, sure, you have breakdowns every now and then. Mike has made some tremendous big saves to keep us in the game. Some yeah. of those saves he made at U- UConn last week were, were just were phenomenal. Um, and I don't think this team right now, this year, maybe in the past few years, I think it's been asked of goalies to go out and steal a game for this team to help the team gain confidence. I don't think Mike has had to do that this year. He has just played so consistently well throughout the whole year. He had one or two stinkers, but but uh, for the most part, you look at our goals against, uh, especially in the last six games, though, it's, it's down there. It's It's in the ones. Yeah, you know, and a couple of other areas that I noticed the Wildcats are doing really, really well. And one is the penalty kill, Pete. This is the fifth best uh, team in the nation at killing penalties. The Wildcats are killing penalties at a clip of 89.5%. So uh, that, those are very good numbers. Yeah, it it has been quietly very effective. Uh, I know, uh, I don't think Mike and I have really talked so much about those numbers you know, we'll mention them, but it's just quietly gone about being a very, very important part when you're, when you're, you know, your your penalty kill percent is like 88, 89 percent, uh, and and it's it's because all of those things, it's the, the two point men up in the the forward zone, um, they're playing really well, um, and and you know, Mike Sousa actually goes, he digs down into the fourth line to get some of those guys like Lucas Herman, a fourth line center, has played a lot up top on the penalty kill. Um, so it's, it's not just the top line players are getting out there. It's, it's a full team effort on this penalty kill. And uh, it's, it's, it's something that's had to happen uh, with our lack of scoring uh, for a good part of the year uh, where we haven't had the power play success, but uh, the, the penalty kill uh, it's, it's just a, it, it's 
it's almost like a concert. It just works very, very well for these guys. And the other area, Pete, that I noticed uh, that UNH is doing so well in is face-off wins. Uh, the Wildcats are one of the best teams in the country in that area as well. They're tied for seventh as we record this. Uh, that's 54%. So, you know, that's always a measure of how uh, you start the offense in the offensive zone, winning draws, and the Wildcats seem to uh, have been consistent at that all year long. Yeah, and I think you can point to one person, Jackson Pearson. He is the master of the face-off, winning critical face-offs at those times. When you have to have a win in your defensive zone, he's done it. When you, ha- when you need an opportunity offensively, he'll win one in the offensive zone. And again, he's going up against the best face-off men on the um, opposing team. And that's going to happen on Friday night. He's going to go against your guy's number one face-off guy the whole time. And, uh, you know, it's always a good battle. You know, it's the game within the game type thing. And Jackson Pearson has been so good and so effective. that that, What's it, 55 56% he wins? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure the exact stat, but I think it's it's, uh, up there. Uh, And that's hard to do. Uh, you know, to get it, you know, 60% is like outrageous for the amount of face-offs that he takes. So I think he's in the mid-50s somewhere. We're in for a treat uh, Friday night, Pete, because we're going we're to have Pearson uh, going up against Max Newton, who is, for a while, yeah. was the number one face-off man in the country. So yeah. uh, that that's going to be a, a fun battle to watch. That, that will be. Uh, let me ask you this, though, John. Where, where does the visiting uh, where do the visiting broadcasters sit now? Oh, you're going to be in the same place that you've traditionally been in. You're not going to be in that little oh. uh, room that you were last year. Okay, we're not we're not in the end zone. We're going to be on the sideline. Yes, you are. You're going to be back Excellent. to back to normal uh, normal circumstances here. So good. So uh, I'm close enough that I can roll up a piece of paper and throw it at you in the middle of the game, right? No, I, I hope you will. That'll wake me up. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, Pete, the, the Wildcats have had uh, a real, real su- good success rate in winning the close games. You know, they, they've won seven of nine, and I got to think that that's that's a big confidence uh, motivator going forward. To be able to know that you have the skill, if if the game is close, that uh, you you're able to pull it out, and uh, that that's got to make Mike Souza feel good. Yeah, I'm sure it does, uh, and it makes the you know the team knows too. Uh, that you win those close games. Can you come from behind? Like we did in the last game against UConn, we were down. We weren't, weren't playing that great. Uh, but they got a key goal at the end to send it to overtime. They know they can do that. They, uh, You know, the, the previous night, um, UNH got down one to nothing against UConn and fought back to tie it, take the lead, got an empty netter. Uh, but that's another one of those nail-biting games. We've had a lot of those. Uh, um, the first uh, in the weekend against BC at our place, um, you know, pulling out a three to two victory, uh, and then just following it up with a great win down there at BC the next night. But yeah, those, those are all great confidence character builders in your team when you can uh, when you can win a game like that. Yeah, we had uh, we had a couple we could have won, uh, maybe that we tied or, or took a loss. You know, the second game against Boston University. Uh, we lost in overtime. Uh, that could have been a that could have been a good one, but uh, um, you know we won that one nothing game at Harvard on the road. And that was that was just tremendous. Yeah, that's How a tough place team, to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to, the whole team shut down Harvard offensively. It was 
it was great and never never thought that and of course me being around so long i was reflecting i think on the last time we were there where i think unh gave up eight goals wow. we might have had like a five to two lead and lost eight to six something like that <laughs> um the, the, the guys really pulled through for that one nothing win. That was uh, way back after Thanksgiving. Well, Pete, I know when Merrimack and UNH get together now, the one thing I'm thankful for is that Patrick Grasso is gone because he was, <laughs> he was a Merrimack killer. You remember the night that Grasso scored four against Merrimack? And he yes. broke our back every single game. It was like the way Buddy Bell used to torment the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, some teams just have that bogey player that uh, – that, that does it for him. I think for UNH, you, when, when UNH people look at UConn, they think Johnny Evans. Oh, and guess yeah. who scored yeah. the game winner in overtime last weekend? You know, he scored a bunch of goals last year against UNH. So uh, every team has that. Uh, I, I guess you guys are looking at Patrick Grasso and said, no, get out. No, no sixth year. <laughs> <laughs> Go pro, please. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick did uh, enlighten us with a lot of great plays and a lot of big goals in his career. You know, you mentioned Johnny Evans, and he had four goals again in a game against Merrimack last year. Four uninterrupted goals, a Texas hat trick. So, uh, and he and Evans uh, had the game-winning goal against Merrimack uh, last Tuesday night uh, at the XL Center. So both Merrimack and UNH are coming off three-two losses at the XL Center. And I do want to touch on UConn because Merrimack's going to play them soon. I know you guys have them on uh, Saturday night so yeah why don't we do that let's talk about uh the game you have on saturday night against the university of connecticut uh, uh this uconn team seems to be uh, hitting on all cylinders and uh the huskies are going to be a tough out yeah it's you know with uconn you really have to play them tight you're not going to score a lot of goals against them uh and uh, they're going to bang you around a little bit with some of their size a, a big key to me is going to be how many ice bags the unh has to use after playing you guys down in your barn at the uh, Lawler Rink, uh, it's it's smaller, and um, you know you always get uh, beat up a little bit down there. Um, you know how 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 are the Wildcats? You know, 21 hours later, going to come out of that and play a very tough UConn squad. That's that's going to be big, and uh, you know we started to see you know a player like Johnny Evans, a senior who, who was All American last year, start to come out of his scoring shell against us and against you. And, um, you know, uh, you know, we know the kid can uh, put pucks in the back of the net. You know, they have him on the third line, um, this All-American. How many All-Americans play in the third line? Right. So uh, you have to be wary of that. They have an awful lot of talent up front. Mike Susan knows that. He knows how much uh, talent they have. I think he schemed a very good defensive uh, um, program for the guys uh, when, when uh, we – Played uh, down there uh, for the, that weekend series. Um, he'll just have to scheme up something else that's uh, just as good, if not better. And uh, I think a big, a big key against UConn, you have to, you have to disrupt their flow of play through the center zone. You can't let them come three on two on your defense all night long. You have to create turnovers in the center zone. UNH did a lot of that on uh, the Friday night game. Yeah, the other guy that. Uh pops into my mind is Condalik. Boy, he's he's quite a talent, and uh, he, he does it at both ends of the ice. Yeah, he's from uh, Budajovice, Czech Republic. I've been practicing that an awful <laughs> I lot. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's tough. He's uh, one of the co-captains of the, of, uh, the UConn Husky team. Senior, uh, 6'5", 225. He's got long reach. Uh, he can certainly make a lot of plays, and uh, 
you know, uh, he's getting near uh, the Century Club there uh, for UConn. Um, so he's up around 90 points. So, uh, you, you know, the young man can play, and he's so tough on those face-offs. Um, you know, good leadership by UConn with Condalik and Carter Turnbull, uh, senior out of British Columbia. Uh, they, they do get good, solid leadership, and I think they do play a very, very strong, disciplined game. And uh, they, don't, they don't have the stars, but everybody plays their role so well. We're talking with Pete Webster. He's the color analyst for UNH Hockey. He does the Wildcat Hockey alongside Mike Murphy. You're listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Well, um, Pete, I'd like to get your thoughts on the league uh, and how it's shaked out so far. You're talking about a league where 15 points separate the top nine teams. Everybody gets in. This is a big game for UNH on Friday night because Merrimack is one of the teams that the Wildcats are chasing. Uh, how do you think the league has unfolded so far from your perspective? And, you know, you know it's a dogfight every night no matter who you play. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't just – it's so hard to describe this league um, because on every, any given night, any team can rise up and beat anybody. I'm, I'm convinced of that. You know, um, to see up there at the top UMass Lowell, I think preseason they were picked seventh, somewhere down there. And they yeah. have just quietly, without stars, played – a great they play a great game they play a great 60 minutes they're tough uh and they just they get timely goals and uh, they play a very solid defense with some solid goaltending uh it doesn't surprise me to see them up there every week and like pay attention to the river hawks uh you know and the wildcats have them a couple of times at the end of the year to wrap up the season um and umass everybody knew umass would be up there bu might be a little surprised from how they started yeah but they're climbing up there. I, I think, you know, what I look at in the, in the standings, in the, in the conference numbers, you look at the losses. You know, here we are. We have, what, nine, eight, nine games left to play. Uh, we just turned the calendar into, into February. You see the number one team has five losses. UMass has four. BU has six losses. Providence, eight. That, those are the top four teams. Right. Providence in number four, fourth place is eight, eight, and one in the league. That's that's 500. That that just tells you how strong this league is. And with the the point structure being kind of, in my opinion, a little wacky, I try to to figure it out every day. Um, You know, that that extra overtime win, the overtime loss, the shootout win. Uh, But it it just seems like, uh, yeah, Merrimack, you guys are at 7-8 and after 15 games. And uh, you're in sixth place. Right. Uh, right. So it's it's like, you know, a lot of times you would be thinking, all right, fourth, fifth place would have three losses. And I'll tell and you, I Pete, just think yeah. No, that, I'll, that's just I'll, the parody of this league. Absolutely. And, you know, you can't forget Northeastern with uh, Devin Levi. Boy, he has been uh, he has been incredible. And Merrimack finishes the season with Northeastern. So I know the Warriors want to pile up as many wins as they can uh, getting into that Northeastern weekend. But they are very, very good. Yeah, they are, and that was the team that, that I thought, wow, that UNH does not match up well against Northeastern. And they have that goaltender, Devin Levi. Um, and just, just the matchups in uh, how hard Northeastern comes at you. UNH did struggle for those two games that we played against them, and that was, that was back early on uh, in the season. Um, yeah, going back to the beginning of November, both four-to-one losses, UNH. Uh, I think UNH has gotten a lot better since then and would certainly match up a little bit better with the confidence UNH has now, but that's a team in fifth place. 
keep an eye on. They, you know, they have a couple of games in hand over Providence and BU that are ahead of them in the standings. Um, but uh, let me ask you this, John. Let me turn the tables a little bit. I know you guys have a three-game series against Vermont coming up. Yes, indeed. Yep. UNH did that against Providence earlier in the year. We had three games in a row against that team and how tough is it to win three games in a row against an opponent yeah i mean you rarely ever see it happen now merrimack's going on the road for the first of those three they're going to play one sunday afternoon uh, up in burlington in fact merrimack's going up there two days after you guys are up there (laughs) so uh yeah yeah i mean i think for merrimack you know the way they play at home the the confidence level they have at home if you can go up to burlington and and get that first one uh, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself but yeah those three gamers those are very very rare and i'm curious to see how merrimack responds to it and i know you have direct experience with it right because the wildcats did that with providence yeah exactly and uh it was the uh third game for the wildcats that uh that they won uh, two to one in overtime uh after uh, losing at our place first, and then the following weekend down at Providence, we got we got beat pretty badly, and then uh, turned the tables on Providence with a, an overtime win for the third game. Very very difficult to uh, win those three games. So I think you guys, uh, it, you know, it's something that's there, but it's it, it, it's. I looked at the schedule. I said, no way, three in a row against Providence. And then I I saw your schedule too. It's like yeah. wow, it happened twice. Uh, uh, yep. Just an interesting fluke of the schedulers, but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. You got to be careful. You win the first two games; it is not guaranteed to win the third one in this league. Oh, absolutely, Pete, and that's a great segue into my next point. Uh, I was glancing at your remaining schedule the rest of the way, and uh, the first thing I noticed is you guys have some travel. You get, you still have to go up to Orono, and we talked to John Shields about the main UNH rivalry. But you've got to go up there, and you've got to also go up to Burlington, Vermont, and uh, so you know you got some travel there in those places maine and vermont i don't care what their records are those are two very difficult buildings to win in yeah they are and uh you know for me personally traveling to vermont on a friday afternoon for one game oh my oh <laughs> that's that. gonna be tough and they say, uh, uh, is there anyone who can take my place uh, but no <laughs> i'll be there you better believe uh, i'll be there and uh yeah going up to the alfond uh, the following weekend, um, I think, uh, it, and I think this is kind of traditional passed down through the UNH squads. They love going up there to play. It's a, it's an old style barn, barn that, that uh, probably a lot of the guys played at someplace similar in juniors. You know, it's got the odd ceiling. It's got different angles and students. And um, but when UNH scores and they do well, and to silence the crowd is is incredible. And I think our guys really rise up to that challenge and they've had some success in the recent past going up there to Maine and uh, we know Maine is uh, kind of searching for their identity but you can never take that for granted in the Alfond you always you always have to think you've uh, you've backed a wild dog into a corner or a wild black bear into a corner uh, when you go up there you have to play a full 60 minutes well you know you talk about the border war between UNH and Maine John Shields and I had a talk about that and it extends beyond hockey right UNH and Maine no matter what sport they they play in uh, they have that uh, unique uh, rivalry and I, I guess you don't get that with Vermont right even though Vermont does border new hampshire yeah it's you know even through the tough times that relationship with maine uh has just uh it's it's always been there and i think it always will whereas uh you know with uh you know vermont and unh being a little bit down the last few years 
Um, it, it just hasn't kind of, you know, boiled over there between those two clubs. I think there's an awful lot of respect. Uh, we know uh, Vermont uh, came down to our place and uh, um, took a tie in the second game and took the extra point in the shootout. So uh, UNH only took uh, four out of six points that weekend. Uh, but going up there to Burlington, the long ride, it's only one game. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and it's the team below you in the standings. It, but it's, a, it's, it's an incredibly valuable three points UNH has to get. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that rivalry with Maine, you know, and the, the athletic department at, at UNH really builds it up, too. They have the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings border battle. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I, and I was part of two basketball games last Wednesday uh, doing the PA announcing uh, for the women's game that Maine won and then the, the uh, men's game after it uh, that UNH won. And Maine had actually beat the UNH men on Monday night, so there were three games with the basketball teams, and uh, it uh, it is it's always great when you're when you're playing Maine. There's there's always people from both sides of the border rooting for both teams at our home games. Well, Pete, the other uh, note, interesting item of note on your schedule is you have three games left with the UMass Lowell Riverhawks. I know that you you finished with Lowell, and uh, uh, we talked a little bit about the Riverhawks, but that's a team that doesn't give you much. You have to earn every inch of ice that you want. That's right, and you have to. I really think you have to make your chances happen earlier in the game, in the first half of the game. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think they can play lockdown defensively a little too well to try to get when you get behind and try to come back against that team. Uh, you gotta. If you get those great A's early on, you've got to make them happen. Um, and yeah, you're right. Fight for every inch of the ice. Uh, that's that's always been a mantra of UMass Lowell. So. That'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be uh, you know, a couple of Sundays. It'll be a, a Sunday afternoon. I don't know. Is that, uh, is that Super Bowl Sunday, maybe February 13th? I think it might be. Yeah, we'll be in Vermont that yeah. day, so I'm going to miss it. But uh... Yeah, uh, we play at 2 o'clock, a nice afternoon matinee, and hopefully the barn will be filled, the wit will be filled. Great with, stuff. Uh, all kinds, all kinds of people, high school teams, youth league teams. You know, people from UMass Lowell, get them in there. Fill the, fill the barn up. And let's have a great uh, college hockey atmosphere. Great stuff. Pete, before I uh, finish up with this weekend and uh, getting your thoughts on what's going to happen, uh, just a couple of hockey uh, items of interest. wanted to get your uh, feedback on. The Beanpot uh, will get going on Monday night. I know UNH isn't uh, involved too closely with that, but it's, it's a great hockey event, and it kicks off on Monday at TD Garden. Uh, you know, just to get your thoughts on, on that, uh, I know BC seems to be struggling big time. Uh, BU is on a roll. Northeastern uh, um, playing well, but they won't have uh, Devin Levi. And, of course, Harvard's always uh, competitive in that tournament. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Beanpot as we approach it Monday? Well, I think the, I think the favorite has to go to Northeastern. Um, I think they've kind of, uh, kind of taken over control of, uh, of the garden. Um, just, uh, you know, they're such a tough team to play against, but hey, I cannot count out BU. Uh, I watched a chunk of their game the other day, uh, that they played, uh, they were playing, uh, UMass. Um, and, uh, uh, let's see, no, there was the Providence game on Sunday that I watched and, uh, you know, they, they handled Providence pretty, pretty strongly there. So, uh, don't count them out, uh, Northeastern, uh, but they're coming off, uh, uh, you know, a tough game against, uh, UMass Lowell and, uh, well, two, uh, uh, let's see, no, it's not UMass. Um, 
I lost my train of thought there, John. Uh, uh, North, Northeast, yeah, Northeastern came, uh, just came off a loss against UMass Lowell. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you got, you, you just, I don't know, you just, it's such a hard tournament to read. Uh, and maybe that game that's right before the, the Monday game, like Northeastern is going to host Vermont, so they'll be home. UMass Lowell is going to have a tough one at Boston College. Yep. Um, and BU and uh, Maine, so, BU and Maine are playing Friday at BU too. So. Yeah, yeah. So the the three Boston schools from Hockey East are at home. I'm not sure about Harvard. Um, so you know, Boston College is looking to gain uh, confidence against a tough UMass Lowell squad. Northeastern will will look to flex their strength against Vermont. BU is going to be hosting Maine, and uh, remember what a rivalry that used to be back in the '90s, huh? Yeah. But, uh, yep. Yeah, I just, uh, but I think I would, uh, I would probably pick Northeastern uh, to uh, to pick the uh, bean pot again. All right, Pete. The other big hockey event going on is the Olympics. Um, a lot of great hockey players are going overseas to China to participate. I know that uh, we talked about Devin Levi. He's going to be uh, playing for Team right. Canada, but uh, you know it's a long flight for these guys. They're going to get over there and uh, play for their country. You know, Olympic hockey, Pete, has such a long, long history, and I'm anticipating that uh, this event is going to be uh, as good as uh, past Olympic events. I, I think it's great that the college players are back in it. It is tough for the colleges that have to kind of give their players up for a few weeks. Um, those kids will probably be coming back just before playoff time. And, uh, uh, boy, they can bring a wealth of experience uh, back with them. But uh, just the Olympics in general, uh, you know, guys like us, John, we're so old. We remember those old days and that 1980s, uh, yeah. what happened in 1980 was just absolutely phenomenal how it just changed the whole mood of this country uh, just by a bunch of ho- uh, college kids playing hockey against the Russians. That was that was incredible, and uh, let, let's hope that, that it gets back up to that level where uh, and a hockey team can generate that kind of excitement. We've had a lot of issues in our country uh, and, you know, things around the world right now. We need something to pull us all together, and maybe – Maybe this Olympic hockey team can do that just a little bit for us here in the next few weeks. Well, I certainly hope so, Pete. It's going to be fun to watch. Okay, so let's bring it back to this game Friday night as we wrap things up here, Pete. Uh, UNH and Merrimack, when they get together, it's always a great competitive game. Uh, a lot of times low scoring, uh, close games. Uh, UNH traveling down here for the game on Friday at Merrimack. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? And uh, uh, your thoughts on what it's like uh, for a visiting team to come down to Merrimack? I can play. It's it's tough. You know, you're you're in a barn. You know, it's close quarters. And uh, I think I usually tend to say, going in there, uh, one of the first lines I say is, "The players better have their fast twitch muscles ready to go because <laughs> things happen so fast down there." But I think both teams. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you you start a game and it's uh, you know a little bit of the rope a dope there. You just for a couple of shifts, you're trying to feel the things out, see what system they're playing. I think both of these teams in this game are going to come out with the goal of scoring on the first shift. Yeah. Beware of that. You're going to get some excellent goal scoring opportunities very early in this game because both teams would like to take a one nothing lead in the early going. That can set the stage for them, especially kind of mentally throughout the beginning of the game if you can get that first goal would be huge so i don't don't see any uh let's kind of uh let's kind of see what the other team's going to do it's going to be take it to them now 
Great stuff, Pete. And of course, this is not the end between these two teams because Merrimack will head up to the Whittemore Center the end of the month on the 26th for a a uh, one-game road trip on a Saturday. You know, it's very strange, Pete, that Merrimack and UNH are not doing a home-and-home. When was the last time you, you remembered a season where there were just like two individual games between the two schools? It, I, I think, John, it just seems like maybe an easy thing for the uh, for the schedulers to kind of hold that back because we're only 45 minutes away from each other. Right. And if you need that one game to plug in here or there, you can easily do it with a Merrimack UNH uh, weekend series and split that up and put one here and put one there. Um, I, I think maybe that, that has to do with it. Uh, um, I don't know, but... Uh, um, I, I just think uh, it allows the schedulers to have a little bit more flexibility uh, when two schools are this close. Well, great stuff, Pete. And uh, I got to before I wrap it up, I just got to uh, invite you to Area 23 on February 16th because that's that's my next sojourn up there. Uh, that 100-mile trip north are always uh, fun when the uh, UNH crowd is there. So maybe maybe I can get you to sing one if I uh, if I ask hard enough. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not going to sing for you today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it easy on you there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got that on the calendar. I'm, I'm going to suck it up, John, because, you know, Wednesday you'll be playing. You know, ukulele's going to get in there and sing some great songs, especially some Jimmy Buffett tunes. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, you know, 48 hours later I'm going to be uh, at the Alphond Arena at Maine. So I'll get enough rest. But I'll wow. be there. I'll be there cheering you on and singing you. So well, it'll, it'll be a fun week. That's that's actually the start of my uh, my uh, school vacation too. Wow. Well, that that's <laughs> quite an honor that that you have. Uh, you're going to do Area 23, so close to uh, Orono. So I, I'm. Uh, right. I will do. I've, I will have some extra special stuff, Pete, there for you since you're making the effort. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Pete, it, it's always great uh, talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you Friday night. Uh, you're always such a great wealth of information, such a great friend, and UNH is lucky to have you and uh, Mike Murphy doing the games. And uh, I know that we'll talk again. Merrimack will be up there at the end of this month. So, uh, But anyway, thanks so much, Pete, for being with us, and uh, good luck to the Wildcats the rest of the way, except for Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Thank you for those kind words, John. And, uh, yeah, uh, great luck to Merrimack, too, because, you know, we love Scotty Boric, uh, uh, a longtime friend, uh, was coach at UNH. Uh, we'd like to see him do well, except for Friday night. Of course. Uh, <laughs> coming up uh, tomorrow, we're going to publish the uh, audio we did with John Shields. His main is coming to Lawler Rink on Saturday. Next week, we're going to have Mark Diver with us. Mark is a, a longtime hockey writer based down in Rhode Island. We'll also be talking soon with Adam LaFleur, who is the radio voice of Vermont Catamount Hockey. So plenty of great stuff coming up here on the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll check you tomorrow and then next week. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. 
To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.